Welcome to this Under the Covers episode of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to their written words. This is the Friday version of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where host Landis Wade and his author guests get under the covers. That's right. We get in and out because there are just too many interesting books and engaging authors in the region and not enough time. And just like the longer version of the show, you'll learn interesting facts about the authors and their books, and the authors will read their work. And also like the longer version, you will find images, links, and information about the authors in the show notes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Park Road Books, the oldest and only independent bookstore in Charlotte, conveniently located in Park Road Shopping Center. And by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence. We're also grateful to those of you who offer member support, for which I'm pleased to offer in return member-only content curated with our authors and myself. You can find out more about this member-only content and how you can help authors give voice to their written words at charlottereaderspodcast.com. When Landis is not getting under the cover at bookstores, at events, and on the road, he does it in the well-equipped podcast studio at Advent Coworking, located in the Belmont community near Uptown Charlotte. But enough with the prologue. Let's get under the covers. I'm your host, Landis Wade. Thank you for listening. Hey, listeners, today I'm visiting with Danielle Stewart, a USA Today bestselling author of more than, can you believe it, 30 books. And we're talking about her book, The Bend and Redwood Road. Kirkus Review says that The Bend and Redwood Road is an engaging and lifelike representation of two families at a turning point. The story centers around the secret of an unusual adoption, where years later, the mother who gave up her baby girl and the daughter who was adopted must reckon with the outcome that changed their lives and which in the end could tear families apart or bring them together. Hey, welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me, Landis. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so um, congratulations on the book and all the other books, too. That's a lot of books. That is a lot of books, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I have to say, uh, you know, doing a little advanced research and last-minute research, too, I go to your website, click through your Facebook post, and I see a post today, and thank you for the kind words about being on the podcast today, but you said you've got some goals for today, right? I do. I do have goals, and I hope to meet them. Yes. Yeah. Keep everyone in my house quiet enough so you can't hear them asking for snacks in the background. Yes. (laughs) Look presentable enough, even though you've forgotten how. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's hard because we don't go out, right? I mean, who, who knows what we're wearing below the shirts here, right? That's I mean, it. We, and I have been yeah. on some Zoom meetings that have not gone well for people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, use, and you said use words that don't apply to third grade distance learning. Uh, yes. You're doing, I might, doing some I'm, homeschooling now? We yeah. are. I might ask you to find the perimeter of something, um, but I hope I hope that I can keep those things separate right now. That, that's why this is a literary podcast. It's not a math podcast. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. All right. So, um, a little bit about you. You're a very prolific author. You've got a number of different series. Uh, when did you start writing? So I've always written. You know, I think a lot of writers say that. I, 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 As long as I can remember, I was writing something, whether it was a journal or a short story. Then when I got opportunities in school, it was something I was really drawn towards. Um, I started writing full-length novels in 2013. I actually started writing it in 2012 and published it in 2013. And I really didn't know if I'd have the stamina for it. It seemed so daunting, Um, but 
I surrounded myself with some really good mentors and they brought me through the process. And when the first one was done, I was hooked. I said, I'm ready for book two. And it's been a really, um, really interesting ride since then. So 2013 is when my first full length novel came out. Okay. We're going to be talking a little bit more about this in the writing life because we want to you know, do the Bend and Redwood Road too, but 30 books since 2013. Is that what you're telling us? Yes. Yes. Come, I mean, okay. I can't wait till the writing life to ask, how in the hell do you do that? I, you know, there are times, uh, a lot of people ask me that. My husband asks me that. So it is, how are you doing it? Um, so again, having a great team really helps. So I've got some editors who have been with me since then. They challenge me in the right areas. If I have rushed, um, they are quick to come back and say, this needs more. And then, so I'm kind of free to go through the process because I feel like I have that net and beta readers who are going to say, I, I, I loved this part, but I wish this went different. So it allows my first drafts to move really quickly because I know I have a lot of good feedback. Then when I move on to my second draft and the editing and the rest of the process, um, I try to leave enough time to really hone in on what everyone is asking for and expecting and then improve it from there. So, and I'm also just kind of a marathon typer. I can have a day of 10,000 words. Now this was back when my family used to leave the house (laughs) and go go to school and go to work. But now that that's not happening, obviously we're adjusting, but, um, but yeah, so I, sometimes I would just have days where I'm in the zone and then I give myself some grace if nothing comes to me for a week or I'm not able to get in front of my computer. So it's a combination of good people and quick writing. (laughs) Well, I can't do the perimeter thing, but I can do basic math. And if we're going from 2013 to 2020, that's like only six years divided mm-hmm. into 30. That's five books. Is that five books a year? It is. Yeah. Yeah. I average five books a year. Um, and part of it is I am a people pleaser. And when I have a um, locked in date for a release and my editors, I do what I need to do to get there. So I write a lot at night. Um, and I like, so everyone goes to bed and I'll get a couple hours in at night and that's really helpful. So that's, that's how I knock a lot of it out. All right. We'll circle back to knocking mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff out in the ride life segment, but t- quick things about you. You put some of these on your website. You you have a fear of whales. <laughs> you, 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 uh, I don't know where that comes from, but, uh, did you fall overboard somewhere? And, uh, I didn't, I had to go to the <laughs> Omni theater, the 3d theater when I was eight years old in the Boston museum of science. And it was on Wales and it has haunted me ever since. <laughs> Is that going to work it into one of your uh, books somewhere? <laughs> no, because it's not relatable to anyone that I've ever found so far. All right. It says, uh, I can cook, but not bake. Uh, if there's a song, I like it. It's normal to hear me listening to it a hundred times. I do not, under any circumstances, read directions. Mm-mm. Well, you you follow directions for the podcast. You gave me what I asked for. I did. I, I asked yeah. for help. Yeah. I outsourced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, before you became a mother, lots of things grossed you out. Now nothing does. Is that okay? That's just that, being a mom, right? That is accurate. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, you don't have a green thumb, but you say in number ten, writing has changed your life. It's mm-hmm. not just the career; it's created for you but the way you feel when you write. How do you feel when you write, Danielle? So I spent so much time, we kind of just talked about math a little bit and other things in school. I spent so much time focused on all the things I couldn't do well and areas where I wasn't a good student in this subject or that subject. And it wasn't until 
I put my energy into writing and started to get feedback and you get reviews and you get all these things that I, my literal self-worth started to change because I didn't have to be able to figure out the perimeter of something to, to feel successful in what I was doing. And I, now when I Skype with classrooms, that's what I talk about with them is it is really okay to have a path that, um, is your path and it's okay to give yourself a little grace when math isn't your thing. You still have to do it. You still have to learn it, but there is some real value that comes in finding what you are good at and what you feel good doing and what that does to you as a person. Yeah, that's great. So, all right. Um, before we get under the covers to talk about this book, you've got a book book cover here, um, The Bend in Redwood Road. It looks like uh, this looks like it could be out west or maybe heading toward the mountain. Give us a little description of what we're looking at here. Sure. So the cover is, um, I love the colors. When the de- cover designer sent it to me, it's these kind of pale and emerald greens. And you, as the onlooker, are looking up the road towards the mountains. And there is a literal bend in that road. Um, yeah. And so I think there's a trap sometimes of authors feeling obligated to make their cover too literal to the story. So that's why now I kind of collaborate. I used to have more of a hand in the cover design. But when you're writing the story, I think it can be really personal to what you want on there. And you can miss opportunities to really put a cover on there that that jumps out. So that was um, a design by my cover designer. And the second I saw it, it just it gave me the feeling that I wanted to capture in the book. Yeah, it looks like uh, someone's on a trip, maybe could be a journey. And in fact, that's what's going on in this book. And uh, hey, you ready to get under the cover? I am, yes. If you like our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, please consider leaving a short written review about Charlotte Reader's podcast on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Because when you leave a review, it helps authors reach more listeners. You can keep up with news about the show and member-only content for our member supporters by joining our email list. We promise not to spam you because, well, that takes too much time. And if you do join the list, we will give you a free ebook written by me. The first book in the Christmas Courtroom Trilogy. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Okay, so we're uh, we're now under the covers with the book, The Bend in Redwood Road. Now, Danielle, this is a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit different than some of the early writing that you did. You've done some... Uh, some steamy romance maybe, or what? I have. So, um, I started on this journey doing a lot of, um, suspense. So some romantic suspense and, uh, they were very plot driven, you know, this happens, this happens, this happens. And I loved that. And it was really exciting. And, um, and most of my work follow that. I have done some steamy romance as well. Uh, it's a really fun market to get into. I love interacting <laughs> with those readers yeah. and going to conferences. It's really its own niche. This book is different because um, I sat with dozens of people to hear their stories of uh, adoption, which is a centerpiece of the book. And every single one of them was different, not just how they were adopted, but how they felt about it. Um, So I made the decision early to say, this is not going to be a plot driven book. There's a, I hope, really great plot in it. And that that moves the story along. But I really wanted to capture the nuance and the push and pull of everyone's story that I heard and try to really do that justice. 
Yeah, you did a great job. I, I picked it up um, a couple of days ago, read it uh, quickly. It's a very character-driven book, uh, but you do have some consistent with the road turning here, some mm. twists and turns toward the end, yeah. end of the book. But uh, it, it is it is character-driven. You've got a couple of characters, and you do, you've already sort of foreshadowed that this is a book that involves adoption. And I've talked about this being an unusual adoption. And years later, you got two characters. You've got Gwen and Leslie. Let's educate our listeners about who these two people are. Sure. So Gwen is wrapping up grad school. Um, She is the adoptee. So she was um, adopted at birth by a really great family. Uh, No complaints in her her department. She has um, two brothers, uh, a mom and a dad, and they are, by all means, very well-functioning. And that has made her feel a lot of emotions around wanting to seek out her um, biological family. Uh, And that was a a thread that I heard from multiple people as I was sitting and and discussing their stories that they were openly sharing with me. Um, There's some guilt around wanting to seek out your biological family when you have this amazing um, adoptive family. So Gwen is on that journey and it is kind of all hitting her at once as she moves into the next phase of her life. And Leslie is the mother who gave um, Gwen up for adoption. And what, I don't want to have any spoilers in here, but what makes it challenging is, you know, she's gone on to have a family and that family is not aware that she's given a child up for adoption. And so it's complex in that way. Yeah. And you've got some good supporting characters in the book. Uh, Leslie's got a good friend that she can confide in more than her husband. Uh, Gwen's got a uh, a, a friend that you don't know whether they're romantic or not yep. is a thing is moving along. Uh, and uh, they've got, both got families they've got to think about when they're, in Gwen's case, exploring her past and in Leslie's case, keeping it to herself. Right. right? And keeping it to yourself has yeah. its own um, burdens there too. So uh, carrying something alone for a long time, I think can really wear on a person. So while they um, have really supportive families, they still feel as though um, they can't um, uh, rely on that. They need to keep it to themselves. Yeah. And just so people, this is not an academic kind of, this is a, it moves well. And uh, one of the ways you do that uh, is you've got a therapist that comes into the Mm. the picture here. And I guess she's kind of this party that helps the parties keep their stories moving um, through through that. Did you talk to any therapists about this when you were researching? So I did. And uh, I actually had written the scenes with the therapist first and then got some feedback. And a lot of them said, "Mm, we don't do any of that, actually. That's (laughs) that's movie. That's movie therapy. But we that would be kind of against the unspoken rules. So the nice thing about being a writer is all I did was say, this is against the unspoken rules of therapy and just called that out because I think it, um, it really was exactly what you said. It was the ability to sort through some of those things in a way that I thought people could relate to, but she helps them move through that. Yeah. I noticed that you do that through Gwen because Gwen is studying psychology and she's saying to herself in her head, well, that's not a question the therapist right. is supposed to ask, but she asked it anyway. Yeah. Do I have to answer right. that? <laughs> right. So yeah. that's, that's the uh, wonderful uh, art in writing where, um, you know, you could just address it. <laughs> yeah. Was there something about, um, adoption? Because, um, I, I know families that have adopted children, some of whom have been open with them about it. Others, you know, maybe not as much, but uh, I suppose there is that tension, 
um, you know, fear, concern, even though they love them and they love them back, you know, if they're out looking for, you know, their birth parent, it almost, you know, could come across as a slight, you know, some kind, but, but that's not really it. And you've tried to explore that in the book. Absolutely. Again, I looked for those common threads and the people who were sharing their stories with me who had gone through some of this on both sides, actually, um, you know, from the parents who had given children up for adoption, the technology has advanced so much. And, and the, the idea from this, for this book was born out of the fact that um, my husband and I had done his mother's ancestry five or six years ago, and I became just obsessed with it. And every six months, somebody would email me and say, hey, we're matched as third cousins. I'm adopted. I'm trying to figure out who it was. And again, those are distant. Uh, Oftentimes you can't help that person because you're matched so distantly. But I said, if I'm getting these emails every three months about someone who's searching, then this must be something that people are um, actively pursuing. And then how does that turn out when you do find somebody and and how is it received? So I think there were so many complex emotions on both sides and I really um, didn't want to give it a complete happy outcome for all parties because it isn't, it isn't always that way. Yeah. And we're not going to do any spoilers or anything like that. It's a satisfying ending, but it's, it is one that you go, okay, what's going to happen next kind of thing. Yeah. So um, let's uh, let's do this. You've got a little short read here to kind of get us into the spirit of the book. You're going to start at a good place at the beginning. So uh, whenever you're ready, just uh, just just read away. Great, thanks. There was a tangible sinking feeling, a going under. Gwen's scalp tingled with a prickly heat. Goosebumps skittered up her arms, though the room wasn't cold. Her eardrums thudded to the beat of her pulse, turning the professor's lecture into a distant, muffled sound. Breathing came quick but shallow. The body she'd always been in control of her whole life was suddenly acting on its own, ignoring the messages her brain was trying to send like a petulant toddler flouting the rules. These symptoms had all the hallmarks of a panic attack. She'd learned about it in psychology class. While books and facts were always a comfort to Gwen, reading about it didn't do justice to the overwhelming sensations of the real thing. She clung to the information she had learned, hoping it would focus her mind. This reaction was only the culmination of prehistoric indicators of fear and danger. Her thick brown hair fell in front of her face, but she couldn't muster the control to sweep it away. The smell of her lavender shampoo was a reminder that it had been a normal morning, the fulfillment of her usual routine. If she tried hard enough, she could explain these sensations away. Slow your breathing, Gwen. Pull yourself together. You're just scared. Yes, what she was feeling was biological. Increased rate of breathing, accelerated heartbeat, boosted blood pressure. These physical signals were designed to be life-saving. The gazelle's body responding this way when the lion approached. She grasped at the data, but it wasn't enough. This was not some primordial fight-or-flight situation. It was a Thursday morning physics class. No reason at all for her body to be crushed by anxiety. As her palms soaked with sweat and her pencil grew too slick to hold, she realized there might be no rebounding, no getting a grip. She may not be able to unring this bell. Her panic attack would be on display for everyone in class. Aye, she breathed out the word as her chest caved to the vice closing around it. Tears spilled from her eyes in a flood. Her body shook and tensed. Dark spots formed as she tried to focus her vision on the room around her. I need, 
Gwen reached for the arm next to her. It was attached to a man and currently propping up his bearded chin. Her grip was tight, frighteningly so, judging by his twisted expression. She blinked hard to try to bring him into focus. What? His voice was laced with confusion and annoyance. Someone woken from a dream by an unexpected bump in the night. I'm about, I'm falling. Gwen edged the words out past the ever-growing lump in her throat. Falling? His bushy brows knit together as he finally turned his body towards Gwen. Her eyes focused for a brief moment on his gray wool hat. It looked soft, something she wanted to reach out and touch, but she had no more control over her body than she had over the sunrise. It was separate from her, uninterested in what she wanted, what she needed. Gwen was suddenly sorry she didn't know this man's name, hadn't bothered to learn anything about him in the last two months they'd been sitting beside each other. Now she couldn't. Words wouldn't come. You needed breath for that. You needed control for that. Instead, the sobs erupted, wild, hiccuping sobs that would be dramatic even for an actress in the movies from years gone by. Yeah, and the final line of the prologue is a tangible sinking feeling, a going under. So she, right off the right off the start here in this prologue, uh, Gwen is, she's 25 years old. She's been getting along well. She's, in, you know, got a career path in mind, but uh, something has happened um, and it all relates to her desire to find out about her past, and that's what leads her to a therapist, and that's what leads her on her journey. And uh, hey, we're not going to tell them how it turns out, though, are we? Uh, no, so, so this book uh, is this. This is a book. Was um, it's not a series, then, right? This is a standalone. It actually is a series. Um, so okay. I, I didn't intend it to be, um, but the okay. emails and the. Um, the reviews and people saying this is so similar to my journey or this is different and here's why there were a lot more perspectives and a lot more characters to explore in this because there was such a ripple effect by the decision that was made 25 years ago that um, in the other books, I'm able to take a different point of view and and look at the impact for those people as well. So there are um, further books in the series. Okay, so this is the first one. How many books in the series? So um, there are two more after this one that are already released now, and then a fourth that'll be out in October or November, depending on when I can send yeah, I my family away so I can write again. <laughs> See, the problem, Daniel, with scheduling you for a podcast and me trying to stay three or four months ahead is that, you know, I pick out a book I want to do with you, and then by the time I get you on the show, you've already written two yeah, or three other books. Right? you got to keep up. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard with me. Right. Yes. All right, let's let's talk writing life a second. Uh, I, I noticed your publisher is Random Acts Publishing. What is that? Yes, so um, my husband and I, about two years into this journey, said um, we are really loving the amount of control we have over every project we're doing, and so we um, started a small business and started the publishing house, and it has really given us an avenue to support other authors who want to start this journey um, in a lot of different um, genres and different things they want to do. So we'll consult with um, with other authors who say, where do I start? And um, and just kind of help them along in the process too. So it's actually our small business, our, our publishing house. That's great. So, uh, and how many authors have you published? So we don't, we don't actually, we made the decision early oh. on, we were going to consult and we were just going to kind of, oh, you're consulting. Yeah, okay. just, just to kind of help people through the journey, because honestly, that the mentorship that I received early on was the game changer. I, I, as someone who doesn't follow directions, um, I don't know how I'd have gotten off the starting line without some real help. So we have kind of made it part of our journey to say when someone raises their hand and say, I'm really, I'm interested in this or I have a story, you know, we try to help them navigate through it. 
So that's great. So your path to publishing, you, you've been an indie publisher. You, you, you're you in control of your own destiny. You enjoy that. Do you enjoy being your own boss when it comes to publishing books? I do. I really do. Um, we went to some conferences really early on and we got to hear uh, both sides of that story. You know, what it looks like when you have the support of a publisher, which is amazing. And there are a lot of benefits to that. And then what those restrictions look like. And because we were raising a young family and my husband works full time, um, we felt like having the control over schedule and control over the product itself would be something that would fit our family best. And we have not regretted that so far. So have you put together a team that you work with regularly as part of your publishing process? And if you could just maybe share a little bit of how that works for any listeners who might want to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I personally need an admin because I can, I am dynamic and creative and create books very quickly, but, um, everything else that supports this business, I need someone who's very analytical and who can stay on top of me. So that was one of the first people I looked for. And I have had her since 2013, since the beginning. And that is why we function as a well-oiled machine. So she doesn't just do the business side of it. She also, you know, uploads the book. She manages the entire book besides the writing process. Um, that's yeah, it, it that is really a big key to writing as quickly as I do because my role is to be creative and her role is to figure out which buttons to press and everything else to do. And uh, so having a good admin to offset my skills has helped a lot. And then I have a team of beta readers. Um, it's usually between five or six, and I try to target them to the topic. So I had three beta readers for The Bend um, who were adopted and who have had their own journey, and that was very helpful. Then having a therapist that would also um, be a beta reader and give me feedback that way. So I try to target it to what I need, and I've been lucky to find um, great people to give me feedback, very blunt feedback, which is what I'm always looking for. Then for an editing team, I have um, five layers. I cannot spell. I am terrible at grammar. I, uh, yeah, so, so that is, uh, I have five layers of editing and they work like a well-oiled machine. They all offset each other. Some are more focused on the grammar. Other look for omitted words. Um, and then cover designer is always a big help. Um, I think when I leaned into the fact that, I am good at some things and I'm perfectly okay not being good at other things. How do I find that person? Um, that's what changed my journey completely. It's just relying on people who have great skill in different areas than me. Yeah, it's really important to put together a team. I did that with the, the three books that I published independently and uh, and also with a podcast. I'm starting to try to build that up with people who know how to do things that I don't know how right. to do or shouldn't be right. doing because I don't, I don't want to stumble, stumble over things. But uh, it is important to have that team in place, particularly if you're going to try to, you know, publish only only five. five. <laughs> sometimes it's four, sometimes it's six, I'll be honest. But yes. Yeah. And that is what when somebody asked me, that is what makes it possible. Because when when you're able to just write and not beat yourself up over spelling, because don't get me wrong, there are very funny comments that come back when I use a make up <laughs> word or you I mean, they get a kick yeah. out of it. But at the end of the day, it all comes together. Yeah. So, um, Danielle, why do you write? So I write because it's my lane. It's, it's where I have found um, 
extra value in myself. I know motherhood is amazing. Um, being a wife is great, uh, but they don't, you don't get a review for that. No one tells you not till later, apparently, but nobody is telling you that you're doing a great job. And I needed something that was just part of my journey, something separate that I could get better at and, and, and have, and, and really just have a path and a journey. So this has allowed me to have that space. And then I really love being able to spread that message to people. Stop beating yourself up that you don't know math. If you're a great writer, there is a space for that. And then you find the math people who can help you with the business. And and that has been really life altering for me is to just, you know, give myself a little grace on those things. Yeah, well, I'm sure your husband's going to give you five stars, and particularly your children when you help them with their homework. But I'm not going to ask my wife for a review. I just, I'm, you know, all you podcast listeners out there, yeah, please review the podcast. But I'm not going to That's ask right. Janet for That's a review. That's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I might not get the, right. the stars I, that I'm. I do not. I. I'm looking for. I don't know if through this process we would get a five star review right now. It is. It is definitely challenging. Yeah. A lot of time spent together. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to give your kids a big five-star review because they have followed your directions today. We haven't heard a peep out of them in the in the 25 yeah. minutes we've been together. But then you start to get nervous. You're like, why are they so yeah. quiet? <laughs> what is, they must be doing <laughs> so quiet. Yeah. Well, Daniel, I'd love to sit here and talk longer. We're, we're coming to the end of the Under the Cover show. Um, listeners, we're going to have information about Danielle's books uh, in the show notes. We've got a link to her website. We've got links to her social media. Uh, you can ping her here and there and on Facebook. And I assume, Danielle, you actually engage with your readers. You love to do I that. I do. I do. It's it's the part that on the hard days when the deadline's coming, it is definitely what gets me through is a couple really funny messages from people who are just out there living their journey too. So yeah, I do. I do appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Danielle, thanks so much for being on Charlotte Reader's Podcast. Excellent. I really appreciate the opportunity. It was really fun. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to their written word. Landis will be back next Friday getting under the covers with another interesting author. But before then, coming on Tuesday, we'll have another long-form episode with readings and conversations about the written words and the writing life of a local or regional author. Landis loves helping authors give voice to their written words, but he can't do it alone. If you're inclined to help me help authors give voice to their written words, please consider becoming a member supporter. We'd love to have you as a member. And when you join at certain levels, we'll give you access to member-only content curated by the authors and me. Would you like to hear more from the authors? Perhaps a variety of presentations on writing craft, or additional readings, or tips on marketing and social media. Would you like some behind-the-scenes insights and reflections from me, or some edited content from previous episodes without interruptions. You can find out more about these member-only benefits and how to become a member supporter at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. Until next week, I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast.